The art is coming from the heart. WQED, Voice of Arts. This is WQED's Voice of the Arts, and I'm your host, Kamara Dorsey, and today I'm joined by the multi-talented Naomi Allen, also known as Queen of Nairobi. How are you doing today, Naomi? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So I'm actually really excited that you're here today because I know you, you know, right. <laughs> we used to go to the same school, so that's exciting, but also I know that as an artist, you have so much to offer, so that's also really why this is exciting to me. Um, so let's start off with the basics for everybody who's listening. How did you get your stage name, Queen of Nairobi? <laughs> um, okay, it's really a really wonky story. Um, so my real name is Naomi. Normally when people say my name, they call me Naomi. And it's annoying. It's been the thorn in my side for years. Um, but there was this lady that I met one time and she called me Nairobi. I don't know how she got there. And I've I've had people mispronounce my name and give me all different really weird like names. I've been called Naomi, Nami, Nuemi. I've even been called Noel one time. But <laughs> the Nairobi part really threw me. Um, and my two older siblings, because I'm the youngest, so you already know, um, they just never let it go. And they just bullied me for it. They would call me that name. It irritated my soul. Um, I hated it, but it wasn't until I want to say like 10th grade of high school. I was super depressed. I was going through a lot of different things. It's a hard time. And I don't know what it was. I was, that's when I started, um, making music, um, well at least recording music. Cause I had been writing music for a long time since okay. I was a kid, but I didn't start recording music until then. And that was really when I was like, well, I need a stage name. And for some reason, I don't know, maybe it was God, that stage name just, came into play and I've kind of fell in love with it so okay, okay. I like that <laughs> um so you kind of alluded to it a little bit but you started writing when you were younger so can you tell me a little bit about like what is your artist story like how did you get your start Ooh. okay 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 so um I ooh. okay my two older siblings they would always sing duets but I was more of the 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 child that was like I was I was outgoing but I was still kind of like um more you know I guess more timid to showcase my talents I never really knew I could sing until I was nine but I had been singing since I was five years old um and I guess I just thought I really didn't sing because no one really uh with the exception of a few times no one really asked me to sing a solo it was always my brother and sister they did all the singing and everyone knew that they could sing they were in the spotlight so I guess I just internalized that and thought that I really couldn't sing um so I began singing in church um and it really wasn't uh I would always like write I thought that at the time I wanted to be um, a visual artist and a writer. So I was always writing things. I don't think I was even cognitive of the fact that they were songs, but um, I was writing songs and poems and a lot of different things. Um, it really wasn't until I went to, um, I went to like this arts camp that was at East Minister Church. And um, my mom put me in like some I don't even know. They're, they had like three different uh, art form courses that you could choose, three different activities. And uh, 
I only remember jewelry making and the other one was probably something to do with music. And there was a talent show they did and I did it and everyone was like, oh my gosh, you can sing. I was playing the piano. I was like, oh, they were like, where did you get that from? I was like, I wrote this song. And they were like, that's <laughs> incredible. I was like, really? Um, so um, from that and then we had uh, some family friends over one time. We were watching a Tyler Perry play. Don't ask me what it was. <laughs> but I was going up to the bathroom and I was singing to myself and they heard me and they were like, you can sing. And like you this I feel like this is the calling on your life. So they were just like, we want you to start singing in church. And that's pretty much what started me singing. Um, also, I think a huge role played into that um dream girls played a huge role in that okay. too because that was one of my favorite movies as a kid um i had a lot of and still do have some insecurities with my voice um just from going to certain voice instructors um specifically white voice instructors yeah. i think with me being so young and having such a big loud you know bold voice they really didn't know how to market me they didn't really know what to do with me and so they kind of tried to put me into a mold and have me sing light and airy and I that was never my my voice I've always been a belter so yeah. um it made me feel like my voice wasn't pretty um and I never really heard anyone with a voice like mine that was mainstream and current you know I was listening to a lot of Motown music and stuff like that and that's where I knew that like this, this used to be an accepted voice, but it felt like it wasn't accepted anymore. So I didn't really like singing until um, I was introduced to Jill Scott and Dreamgirls. So when I saw Jennifer Hudson sing, I'm like, she looks like me. She sounds like me. I could do that, too. And that's also how I started acting from that, okay. from watching that movie. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And even just thinking about how it's like when you feel like what you have to offer is not... Um, it's not people make you think oh yeah this isn't mainstream this isn't there's not a place for this but it's like yeah. there really is right there's, like I said like there's an audience for everything like so I think that's really beautiful that like, you were able to see Jennifer Hudson and see like Dreamgirls and like wait that's me right there like yeah. that's it so I think that's really beautiful so I know you're a singer we know that but you do you participate in any other art forms uh yeah yeah so like I said I act I actually got my bachelor of fine arts degree from Point Park University in 2020 um I also um I have art business okay. called Naomi Nuke That so it's a visual art business I primarily focus on uh, multimedia, resin, and paper mache. And um, my paintings are 3D paintings, so I like to recycle, use recycle items and um, put them on there. Um, I One of the things I've kind of started to do with that was um, taking hair from the hair store okay. and putting it on canvases and then painting a picture with it. So, um, yeah. And then I also really like to write um, playwriting, poetry, songwriting, uh, <laughs> poems and um, I also direct. Okay. So, yeah. Wow, I didn't know about the directing. I knew about everything else, but the directing that that threw me for a loop. So yeah. I want to go there and say, where did you, where did that come from? That interest in directing. Um, I really don't know. I think, um, you know, I I've always just kind of I think what really started it was in terms of acting for me. I've always been cast typecast mm -hmm. um I'm all, and and you know especially when I went to Point Park it was like you're the funny black friend because you're funny or you're the sassy black friend or you're just the sidekick like mm -hmm. 
And I literally had a teacher. It's so crazy we brought this up. <laughs> I literally had a teacher that told me that I would never be a lead. I would never be a romantic lead. Um, just I was always going to be a secondary role. So that kind of bothered me. And I noticed that from just a young age from when I first started acting and, and you know, throughout life. And I was like, it just it shouldn't be that way. So I began to write plays for myself and just I really wanted to fill the void within theater because there's so much that isn't talked about so much that we don't get to see. And I wanted to write that. And I felt like, you know, I had a voice and I wanted to show my perspective on things. So I started like I've been writing plays since I was younger, but um, I really, really got into it in high school and I actually directed a play. It was a two person play and put it on in high school, um, wrote and directed it. Um, And ever since then, I was like, yeah, this is something that I really, really like doing. Um, Also, I just think, you know, I'm a teacher as well. So I feel like I'm good with instruction. I'm good with bringing certain things out of people um, and just getting them to look at things in a different viewpoint. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I like that. Sorry, I had to go there because I'm like, okay, okay, directing. Yeah. And you don't see a lot of black women directing. Um, no. So I love that. And I needed to dig into that real quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we can circle back to the business. Okay, so uh, with your art, like where do you sell your art? Um, So it varies. Okay. Um, I have an Instagram. Some people reach out to me on Instagram through there. And I'll, I'll, it's a mainly people that like are out of state. Okay. They'll hit me up either on Instagram or when I put it on Facebook, then they'll reach out to me through that way because I don't have an eBay or like an Etsy right now. I'm it's honestly, I tried to make an Etsy and I did not realize how complicated it was. <laughs> I'm still a year later trying to figure out how to do that. Um, but yeah, so I also go to various events throughout the city and I'll vend. So, um, I was actually at, um, a lot, I do like a lot of the art festivals. Okay. Um, and just self through there. And uh, it's been great, you know. Or sometimes I'll partner up with, like, uh, an organization. Like, for for instance, One Hood, they were doing okay, um, yeah. their, their voter registrations um, in 2021. So I was at all the voter registrations selling my art. And um, I made a lot of money doing that, too. <laughs> I'm like, I hope they do it again so I can get some more money. But, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so... Like I was saying before, on Voice of the Arts, so we're definitely aiming to um, highlight diverse stories in the art community. So I want to know, and we, we, we got into it a little bit, um, but like being a black woman in Pittsburgh, what has your experience been in the art scene? And you, you, can, talk, <laughs> you can talk about anything. You can talk about music. You can talk yeah. about acting, directing, you know, whichever route you want to go. It's fine. Lord Jesus. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I kind of got into it on the acting side. It's definitely been difficult. Um, lots of typecasting. Um, I have not been acting since I, since I left Point Park. I lost my passion there and Point Park just was just, uh, it, it was a horrible experience. A lot of racism, a lot of discrimination, um, a lot of sexism, definitely classism. So I really just I didn't really the work that I did there I was like listen I'm just going to do what I got to do just so I can get out of here and get my degree so um 
Yeah, um, I can't really speak too much. Well, I can speak on an outside perspective and just from when I was auditioning and what I saw. Um, definitely not enough representation for for black women um, in theater, and we're not seeing enough of us in theater, especially um, brown skin and darker skin women or plus size women in theater, yeah. and that's really frustrating. So that's been hard for me because, like I said, if I were to go into a role right now, um, here, I'm most likely going to be cast as, uh, you know, the funny friend or the, yeah. the sidekick. Um, so as far as music, whew, okay. Um, you know, I've, I'll say, I'll say God has really blessed me. I've been able to, um, this entire year I have performed like every day of this entire year. Wow. Um, just a lot, a lot, a lot of shows and it's been really great, but I have noticed, um, there is like when I was, I've been trying to get a band. So I have dancers and a DJ currently, but I really, really want a band because it, there's not enough live music anymore, especially when you listen to music on the radio, everything is, you know, produced technologically yeah. and so i want that live feel to come back i want that soul that passion back in music and it's been so difficult to try and get a band wow. as a black woman because um i've essentially run into musicians when i would be direct on what i want and tell them listen this is what i want this is what i needed by you know let's get serious about this it was almost like they they were treating me and looking at me as if I were a diva mm. and it was so frustrating because I'm like no I have a voice I'm being adamant on what I want and I've been screwed over <laughs> by some some instrumentalists because they were treating me like um like I was an angry black woman just because I was telling them this is what we need this is the, the, the vision that I have, yeah. and it needs to be up to par with that. So that's been difficult. I've also just, in general, noticed, like, um, there's still some discrimination there within our, our music scene, and um, it's not as friendly to women that are plus-sized or women that are... Um, attractive if you will um it's almost like we have as black women have to be attractive to the male gaze and when you aren't speaking on your body or anything sexual or um anything that is um explicit which yeah. i don't my music's clean then it's <laughs> you're not really taken as seriously and it's also like you know so when I've tried to get a manager, especially male managers, it's mm, um, either that they won't work with me um, because I'll notice that they're trying to, you know, that they won't work. I notice that they won't manage me unless I put out in a sexual way. Let's say wow. that. And so when I am adamant and I'm like, I'm not doing that, then it's like, oh, well, we, we ain't going to work with you. Um, your music's cool, but we're not going to bother with you because I can't get you to do what I want you to do. Um, the same thing with, uh, I'm, you know, I'm just not willing to really compromise on my morals. Mm -hmm. um, and that has also been a roadblock 
um, in terms of getting management because, you know, sex really does sell. And um, it's that's what they want. And that's not the type of artist that I am. So it's been hard. Um, I don't always feel respected in some spaces. And um, so I just remove myself. Also, I will say it's also been difficult because the sad thing is a lot of my negative experiences have not been in white spaces or from white organizations. I've actually been very respected by them and they've known my value. They've known my worth and they've paid me my value and worth. Whereas um, some black spaces, some black organizations have slighted me, um, underpaid me. Um, You know, there was a show that I did, I want to say in May in May, I think. Um, And I noticed that uh, there were, all the men were being paid more. Hmm. And um, all the men were being paid more. And when I went to the person who was uh, organizing the event, who had booked, you know, me and everyone else, um, I sat them down. And I was very respectful, but I was just like, you know, are you able to give me a breakdown on what the the pay rates are of course this person lied to me i had the proof um but this person lied to me and then they eventually raised up my you know my rate or whatever but it was still a slap in the face yeah. they initially offered me 75 dollars for a 15 minute set and i've never had anyone pay you know pay me that such a small amount but i went along with it because you know i'm willing to do shows for free or for a small amount if it's for community yeah um or if it's for like mental health or something like a good cause that's within my brand i will do that with no problem and that's what this person promoted it as to me they were like this is for the community this is for the community of homewood so i um you know i was like okay sure i'll do that even though i had dancers i have three dancers i have a dj (laughs) i'm like 75 dollars isn't paying me it's not even covering you know some nails for me (laughs) but i was like whatever i'll pay them out of my own pocket i'll you know i'll do what i have to do but then to find out that all these men were being paid more and none of them were headlining Mm. none of them had you know the resume that i had um it was just crazy. And then once I brought it up to that person and they did increase my rate, it still wasn't enough to cover everybody I had to pay. Um, but I said, OK, whatever. I went with it. And then there was all this retaliation against me from that point on. And now the relationship with this organization has just been compromised, um, which is fine. I won't do anything else with them. But I've been running into a lot of situations like that. And when you say, hey, you know, um, I actually should be paid this. It's not respected. And I don't know why that is, but I'm, you know, I mean, I've only noticed that with black women. I have not noticed that with any other uh, racial group, with any other, with men. I mean, and it's frustrating because there's a lot of artists I know that have the resume to back up why they deserve this opportunity or this pay or whatever. And they are they're not being like they're not getting shows they aren't represented well they aren't appreciated they're underpaid and you know that's something that I've been dealing with um but I do you know of course I credit God because God's definitely the reason why 
I haven't run into too many situations like that, but I have ran into enough to where I'm like, okay, I really need a manager because I don't want to deal with this anymore. So, whew, it's hard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's like how... I find that so crazy that, like you're saying, like, I have this resume. I have these things that I can show you. Like, mm-hmm. I can show you a laundry list of what I've done, what I've accomplished, and the people who can back me. And it's like people are trying to tell you, no, no, actually, this is what you're worth. And it's like, yeah. you can't you can't do that. Like, I, I can show you yeah. my resume. So I, mm. I find that crazy that it's like people are trying to, especially black women, trying to tell black women, no, actually, this is what you're worth. Mm-hmm. And Black women and black men. Yeah. And it's like, and if you don't want to go along with what, we're telling you then no like yeah you're you're off so. just disregarded yeah so yeah that's mm. i don't love that i don't love that at all um and i think you alluded to a little bit of um mental health being a part of your brand and i kind of wanted to get a little bit into that um so we all know the pandemic i feel like since the pandemic a lot more people have been comfortable to say like my mental health is mm. not in the best place and you know i'm trying to get help so and i know you've um opened up about mental health struggles so what has the journey been like of sustaining your mental health also, like, as a black woman and as an <laughs> artist? You can, you know, like I said, yeah. we can tackle that however you see fit. But just, like, kind of get into that so people can hear, like, what is that like? Okay, well, that has been, it's been a journey for sure. Um, I could say, and I think this is this is definitely common within black families, period. M- going, mental health, talking about mental health is taboo. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to therapists is not a thing (laughs) and we because of slavery we have been taught to just push through everything bulldoze through any problem you have and if you don't you're lazy and you're dramatic Mm. and that has definitely been my experience within my family um you know I definitely wasn't really raised to be vulnerable or um be in tune with my emotions and um, it's, it's a huge reason why I felt, uh, stunted in a lot of ways. Um, I don't express grief. Well, I, of course, everyone has their own, their different ways of expressing grief, but I know grief or anything that's painful, I just hold it in mm-hmm. because that's what I was taught to do yeah. was hold it in. You got to go to work. You got to pay the bills. You got to do this. You know, you don't have, you don't take that time for yourself and, and heal and take that attention and care because that's just not a thing. Um, that's wasn't what I was taught. So, um, it has been difficult because for a long time I have been depressed and suffer from anxiety, suffer from PTSD and it's been undiagnosed, um, and unnoticed by my family. And, uh, just, I also didn't even really recognize it because, Mm You know, it just felt so normal to me to feel that yeah. way that I thought, well, I'm just having a bad day. Um, this is just, you know, maybe I am lazy. Maybe I am dramatic. Maybe I I just need to, you know, suck it up and, you know, not make this about me. Um, but it really wasn't until I went to college um, and I noticed that all of my peers, my white peers, you know, they were so open about their mental health. They, you know, some of them were on antidepressants. They all had therapists. And I was like, 
oh, wow, like this is such a, a culture shock to me. This is so different. Um, their parents had therapists. I mean, it was some of them went to uh, therapy with their parents. And it was it was um, something that was established to them since birth. Um, and I was like, you know, that's something that um, it, it always should be that way. I think the same way that we go to the doctor to maintain our physical health, we should be doing that with our mental health. Yeah. So. Um, unfortunately, um, it did take for me to have a breakdown, a series of breakdowns, um, which uh, the first time I ever had a breakdown was junior year in uh, high school. But when I was in college, because like I said, I was just being attacked every day. It was truly, truly um, I recognize now that it was it was spiritual warfare as well. But um, I was having panic attacks every day at one point. Mm. And um, it was it was just so bad that there was these panic attacks. I, each time I felt like I was going to die and each wow. time it got worse. I couldn't breathe. Um, my chest was so tight. It felt like I was having a heart attack. Um, and my family, mem- my mom, she started to notice it. And she's like, well, what's the problem? Um, I never really opened up to them about it because I remember a time where I tried to, and my dad was like, I was 21, and my dad was like, what are you depressed for? You have no reason to be depressed. Mm. And, um, which I had a lot of reasons to be depressed. <laughs> Let's be serious. I had a lot of reasons to be depressed, but he was like, you know, you got a place to stay. There's food on the table. You got clothes on your back. I pay the bills. There's no reason to be depressed. Mm. So, um, I just didn't speak to my family about things that I was going through, and I just kind of dealt with it. Um, and then eventually I had to go to therapy, but it took a while for me to go to therapy because I had professors telling me, Naomi, you need to go to therapy. This is serious. Um, you know, and it was really, it was really only two professors. Um, but they were like, this is serious. I am seriously concerned about you. And my peers were also like, yeah, we, you should probably do something about this. Like there's help that you can get. Like if you need advice on how to do this, we'll, we'll help you. And I was like, there is nothing wrong with me. (laughs) I don't know what they're seeing. I'm like, I'm okay. You know, it's just a bad day. I'm all right. But it took for, um, I didn't go to therapy until after I graduated. Um, yeah. What's that? Yeah, after I graduated in 2021, unfortunately, I was raped. And I have, um, there's just been a history of sexual abuse in my life. But when I was raped, that um, just kind of took me over the edge. Because prior to that, I had been, you know, only sexually assaulted. I had never been raped. And my consolation to myself was always, at least I wasn't raped. So when I was raped, I was like, there's no consolation at this point. You know, and I did not trust myself. I was extremely suicidal, which is something I had been dealing with since a young age. But at that point, I was like, I might just really do it. There's really nothing stopping me from taking my life at this point. So um, I put myself in therapy because I didn't trust trust myself. Um, And it's been the best decision I've made. You know, I, of course, you know, there's still, still some moments where I feel that depression creeping up. Um, but I have the tools now. Yeah. I'm so much more emotionally intelligent. Um, and that's kind of just, um, I've been writing music about mental health. Um, but I've definitely, 
focused on that a lot in my music and also just with teaching and working with the youth and being in education because it's something so common. I see so many kids struggling with it that are suicidal. I've had conversations with children that tell me they're depressed or even children that have um, children or youth that have had their parents take their lives and they knew about it or, you know, it's just, it's such a serious thing. And um, I think uh, mental health within the black community is, it was really bad because there's so many um, disorders and diseases that are undiagnosed. And especially within children, these children are going through school, going throughout their whole lives, not knowing that they, you know, have this disorder, this disease, and they don't have that support. So I've just been trying to, um, you know, of course, stay on that right path and take care of myself, but also to help and encourage, um, youth especially and also some adults but you know that's that's a bit hard some adults can be stubborn but in general just encourage that um that need because when you know when your physical everything's connected when your physical body is good your spiritual body can be good but when one thing is off everything is off well i want to thank you for sharing that and just opening up because i mean you didn't have to share that but i think it's important, and I know people who are going to listen to this, they're going to find something that they're like they identify with. So I want to say thank you for, you know, sharing that um, with us. And yeah, I definitely agree. I want to kind of tag along onto like mm. black families not not validating like hmm, they kind of seem like something's wrong with them. And it's like yeah, you it's like yeah, you're just having a bad day, and it's like I've been having a bad day for five years. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Like, and yes. you've been having a bad day since the day I was born. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not it's not making sense. And so I think that it's important that this message is out there. And so I'm so glad that we're doing this right now. And also even just for creatives. I feel like creatives are very afflicted. Um, mm. And who, <laughs> you know, if, if you know, you know. <laughs> if you listen to this, you will know. People who are creative, who have any kind of creative bone in their body, if they're an artist, if they're a musician, a, a singer, a rapper, a poet, whatever your art form is, highly afflicted and people will just say well that's just how the creatives are and it's like I mean yeah some creatives are just kind of emotional and that's that's Mm -hmm. okay but for the most part a lot of people who do have creative things coming out of them are unfortunately the most tormented mentally and spiritually and I think that that that's why it is important to say you know what yeah I you know I've been having a bad day for the past 10 years like I gotta go Mm -hmm. and get help before things don't turn out the way that I, I want them to so I just think that that's so that's such an important part of the conversation um, as being a creative, so thank you for that. Um, and I want to take a turn and um, talk about your song, Blue, because I'm going to yeah. play that for people. Um, they're okay. going to hear this on the podcast. And so what is, like, the story behind the song, Blue? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it's so funny, actually. Um, I actually wrote this song. Um, well, okay. I was in my dorm junior year. Uh, of college and I was just having such a hard time writing music because I just had writer's block I was uninspired and I guess that was probably because of my mental state at the time um but you know just couldn't write anything I tried for so long to write a song could not write anything and um I stumbled across this beat on YouTube by this uh, this guy that's in London, his name is Nays, and I was like, oh, I really like the the beat, and it was almost like as soon as I heard the beat, I knew what to say, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely believe God gave me the lyrics because, child, 
<laughs> I I couldn't think of nothing. Um, but so he gave me the lyrics. I wrote them down. I started off with the hook, and then it led to the first verse. And so that's really all I had at the time. And so I tried really hard to um, find someone to be a feature because I was like I just feel like this is supposed to be a feature and so I reached out to this guy on Instagram he was supposed to be on the song he's like yeah I want to do it and I sent him the song never heard back from this guy like he just completely ghosted me so I was like that's weird but whatever so then I go and ask this other guy and I had no business asking this guy because he was my ex we really we were like okay on okay terms but you know, I don't know what I was thinking. I was just like, well, you know, you know, musically, he's he's a great artist. Yeah. So I reached out to him. He said he was going to do it. He played me, too. <laughs> he played me, too. And he, he it was like um, he just kept saying he was going to do it. And it was just like promise after promise. And it never was happening. So I was like, man, why is it so hard just to get this song done? So then I was like, forget it. I'm going to go and write the second verse myself. I don't need nobody else on it. <laughs> so I go and write the second verse. And the, and it was still good. The second verse was good. And then I recorded it. And then um, when I, the person that I re- recorded it with at this particular studio, uh, I don't know what it was. It was just like problem after problem with recording the song. And, you know, he just, I kept, you know, pushing and nudging him to mix and master the song. And he was just like, oh, I'm going to get around to it. And he just wasn't doing it. And I was like, I'm sick and tired of this. <laughs> and so, um, you know, so then, so that was, it was like a whole year went by because when I actually recorded the first, uh, the original demo to the song, and that was in 2018. So then uh, some time goes by, it's 2019, and I meet the guy who's on the track, Jay the Anomaly, and um, he was at the studio. It was my first time ever meeting this guy. Um, and we just kind of began to talk or whatever, you know, just get to know each other. And some time goes by, like a week, I would say. And I don't know what it was. We were in the studio, and I was like, I just feel like I'm supposed to ask him to be on this song. I don't know what it is, but I was like, I'm just going to ask him, see what he says. I had heard some of his music, and I liked it, and I felt like he would match the vibe. And, um, like, we would, you know... It, it, we, we would have the chemistry on the track, you know, musically. So mm-hmm. I asked him, I played it for him. He had his eyes closed. He was like really <laughs> and visualizing it. He was super serious. I was like, okay, okay. And um, yeah, he was like, okay, yeah. He was like, what, what exactly do you want me to talk about on this? And I was like, well, I want you to talk about love from your perspective, you know, ideally. So he did. And um, pretty soon he had it, you know, ready to go. He showed it to me. It was great. I'm like, let's record it. Um, we still had some roadblocks <laughs> in getting the song mixed and mastered. So we actually, uh, recorded at that studio, had to go to another studio at that studio. I probably recorded probably three or four times because they lost the version. And actually before I even went to that studio, someone else, um, had mixed it like three or four different people mixed it. It just wasn't working out, which led me to go to that studio. And at that studio, um, he lost it, had to re-record it all over. But it, finally it worked out, and it was great. And you know what's so crazy about this song is I actually wrote that song about this about some other guy, not worth my time. But I'm actually dating Jay the Anomaly. <laughs> I'm dating the featured artist on the track now. And I'm like, you know, when I look back, I kind of just thought about it, and I look back, and I was like, you know, God really gave me those lyrics, and I feel like he was showing me, he was kind of setting it up. <laughs> Because he really pointed this guy out to me. And um, I feel like he was showing me um, just what love is supposed to be. Mm. And um, so now, and I had never experienced 
the love I was talking about in that song, which is why I was really saying, like, this is what love is. And you can tell from the song that I hadn't experienced that. I've never been in love. I've loved. But now I realize it was really just infatuation. Um, But I'm actually experiencing that love (laughs) with him now. So I was like, wow, it's it was a full circle moment for sure. But it took some time. The song didn't come out till what, 2019, I want to say 2020. 2020 I think and the video came out same time so child took some time <laughs> but you know things it came it came out according to God's timing and his plan so you know that's wonderful <laughs> okay got a little booth thing gotta make another song yes okay. yes When I'm around you Love is thanking God that I found you It's arguments and lacking common sense But nonetheless you come to their defense At your expense You know my weaknesses So you never offend I know your flaws There's no reason for you to pretend He prays for my well-being Like it's his religion uh. They say they don't know what love is But I know Yeah, I know they say they don't know what love is, yeah, they say, but, but I know, but I know, yeah, I know. Listen, feeling getting different, yeah. if you listen high, give recognition yeah. to anybody but you. You see, Yo. yeah, there's something Yo. different. When I see you in the vision, kind of like religion, all up in my spirit, like, whoa. whoa. You give a dog to your passion, like an actress, yeah, and a beautiful scene, Sir. yeah. Thick and brown, yeah, and that mini queen, yeah. No need to frown with you all of my dreams. And it seems like L-O-V is an abundance for you and me. See, I ain't fronting, coming from a view that the corners ain't cutting. You give me everything. Without you, I am nothing. Where would King be without Coretta? No one better. Think about the fact Michelle had in Barack's efforts. Either getting to our goals, yeah, getting somewhere better. This that message that I'm writing on that blue letter. What? They say they don't know. They say, no say. They say they don't know. They say, no say. They say they don't know. But I know, but I know, but I know. Say, la 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 la. Say, la 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 la. Say, la 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 la. La 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 la
So I'm curious to know, we kind of talked about low moments as like a black woman and being an artist, but what would you say are like one or two of your proudest moments uh, of being an artist? Oh, my proudest moments of being an artist. Um, true. I would say first, um, just like I have a few, but um, all the times when I've had um, people come up to me afterwards and they tell me how good the song is, I think that's that always touches me. Uh, not even just that song, but anytime I perform. Um, some of my songs that are like more so talking about mental health and stuff, I've had mothers with their daughters come up wow. to me and tell me how that song was literally about them and how it ministered and touched them. And then I've had, um, you know, other people come up and say older women in their 30s come up and say, I just never felt so represented. I've never heard a track talk about me or talk about my life in such a way ever. And but I think the probably the best moment was when there was this little boy. He was probably like nine years old. And uh, he came up to me after I had a show at the Kelly and uh, the Kelly Strayhorn. And he came up to me afterwards he like chased me down <laughs> he chased me outside and he was like I just wanted he was so shy he was so cute he was a little dark-skinned boy with locks he was adorable and he was like I just wanted to tell you that I really liked your song and it really like touched me and I was like wow. oh my god because um and it, it touched me but it also made me sad because you know in that song I was talking about like suicide I was talking about abusive relationships that I was in I was talking about a lot of different things in that song and um I was like I can't even imagine yeah. what he's going through at nine years old that this song I wrote at I wrote that song at what 18 17 18 to know that this song is something that um touched him and impacted him like that it it was like a touching moment but it was bittersweet at the same time but I also was like I'm happy to know um, cause I kind of didn't want to do that show <laughs> to be honest, but I was glad I did it because I felt like, okay, um, he needed to hear that. He yeah. probably isn't hearing that from anywhere else. Um, I don't know what the music he's listening to is like, but I can only imagine given what's on mainstream and, you know, I was just grateful that I could, um, kind of plant that seed in him yeah. and I was able to have a conversation with him and he was telling me about his art and his visual mm -hmm. art. And I was like, Oh my goodness, like, just keep, keep it up. You know, you're amazing. I was speaking life into him and he was like, Oh no, I don't think my artwork is good. I was like, what? <laughs> so we were having a conversation and that was definitely a proud moment. And, um, I would say a second proud moment, um, of mine probably would be, um, I've had some pretty big venues. Uh, I've performed at the Kelly Strayhorn in March okay. of this year. Nearly had a sold out house. Okay. I don't have an album out. I literally only have one song out that's relatively new, which is Blue. And most of my performances have been unreleased music, which is going to be on my album that's supposed to be coming out this fall. Um, but yeah, I had nearly a sold out house with all these people um, at the Kelly and they paid me three thousand dollars for that show which is the most i've ever been paid it was only a 45 minute set mm. um and before that i would say i had did a show in the middle of the pandemic <laughs> um, um for the city theater it was a drive-in festival 
And um, so everybody was in their car and they could listen to it on the radio. And there were it was a huge stage at Hazelwood Green. There were two big uh, screens they could watch it, uh, watch from or they could listen to it through the radio. And um, it was packed. And I wasn't <laughs> the only person performing in that show. But that show that was before the Kelly. But that show was packed. And I was like, what? And it was all these people honking their horns like, <laughs> yeah, girl. And um, I got paid 1500 for that show. And I was like, right. oh, that was my first big check. Mm. So I was tweaking. I was so <laughs> happy. I was geeked. I was like, I got a 1500 check. But at first I thought it was a mistake because I went in my account and it was direct deposit. And I was like, whose money is this? Um, <laughs> did, did somebody wire me the check and it wasn't supposed to be in my account? But, yeah, I was I was excited about that. So then when I went to the Kelly and I had that show I was like okay this kind of was like the foundation for this show because who um it was just like just yeah it was great it was just great <laughs> I love that you know and it's like like you said it's like people will know your words that are like yes yes instead of you know like the other people before where it's like no we're not going to do that and it's mm -hmm. like you you know you go into the spaces and people know your worth and it's like that's really where you get to flourish and you get to have those experiences where people like that really impacted me so yeah i love that and i think that's wonderful so i know there are people who listen to voice of the arts and they themselves are artists so i want to ask you like what encouragement would you give to people who feel discouraged mm. in their journey as an artist um you know everything happens in seasons mm. um and and, um, you know, there was a point in which when I was doing music, because I've been d doing music since, uh, like, writing, recording, and performing, um, you know, actually performing the music I recorded, you know, let's forget when I was a child, but actually professionally doing it since 2014. And for years, I was like, man, I'm just overshadowed. Like, no one's really, um, I'm not being booked as much as I would like to be um my music isn't uh you know it's not it's not being promoted people aren't really listening to it as much and I was really frustrated and discouraged and I was like maybe this isn't the path for me maybe this is something I shouldn't do um but I was like okay well I'll just keep working on myself in the meantime keep rehearsing keep writing keep recording I had a website nobody ever viewed that website but I updated it every time I had something new anyways because I was like one day um people are going to view they are going to you know know who I am I will get booked I just have to have this belief in myself that no one else will um, so what I would say is, um, you know, definitely don't give up and recognize that there's seasons and, you know, continue to work on your craft, uh, you know, learn. There, there's never a point in which you stop learning. So study other artists, um, take a business class on marketing um, and proper rollouts so you know, like, when it comes time to release a song, the proper way to do it, because um, tagging 93 people on <laughs> Facebook is not the proper way to promote a song. I'm sorry. Um, you know, get some distribution, get a distribution deal through DistroKid or TuneCore and just like take do whatever you need to do um, to learn about how you can be successful, whether you want to be independent or signed. Um, and I think what also really helped me was I actually just wrote down um, all of my goals 
in a notebook mm-hmm. all the yeah. things I want to do three to five years and especially now and I, I wrote in there I will be booked mm-hmm. um, by the end of like by next year I will be booked I will have this and all the things I wrote and just prayed over I have and I know that's not on my own accord you know I've definitely worked and rehearsed a lot but I know that that was from God so understand that you may be in a dry season but that doesn't mean that your plants aren't going to grow it's just a dry season so prepare and prep for the in that dry season because you're probably in your dry season because you're not ready to experience overflow so do what you have to do in that season and um to prepare yourself because when the overflow comes it's going to be um so much more than what you expected and you have to be ready for that blessing you about to get me started, but you know, <laughs> but you know, we've been chatting here for a long time. Yes, I'm gonna have to tag onto that real quick and say you know, I have to agree with I have to agree with you because it's like you may ruin it. You mm-hmm. may ruin it if you get something. If you're like, I really, really want to get like three shows. Okay, let's say you get three shows and you ruin them because you're not ready. Yes, or you get into a a art show and you ruin it because you weren't ready and so I really think that is that's a great encouragement so I'm tagging on to her encouragement say listen to her because she knows what she's talking about <laughs> timing's everything timing is everything and so you know with that being said I just want to say thank you for being here today thank you for giving me your time and really sharing everything that you have to offer as an artist but before we go I just want to ask you is there anything else you want to share with me any events that you're doing soon that people should know about mm. Um, uh, I have, uh, a show October 1st at Hazelwood Green is for Hazelwood Community Day. It's a free event. Um, there will be food and vendors. So I definitely suggest to come out to that. It's going to be great. Um, and other than that, uh, my album, (laughs) whoo child, this album, I literally have three songs to finish and I don't know why it's been so hard, but I do plan on releasing that in the fall. So um, the album is called Mood Ring. Uh, Blue is the lead single on Mood Ring. And so if you liked Blue, then I would suggest to be on uh, be on the lookout for the album. And um, you can go to my website, www.queenofnairobi.net. And Nairobi is N-A-I-R-O-B-I. You'll find out all my information, my social media, and you'll be able to um, see all of my um, streaming platforms because my music's on all streaming platforms. But, yeah, that's the best place to go if you want to stay uh, in the know of what I'm doing. Okay. All right. So... Thank you once again for being here. And I don't know if I'm I'm about to put you on the spot because I know you can sing. Oh. <laughs> but you know, you know, voice of the arts, you know, we love music, we love musicians, we love any kind of artist. But you know, you can tell me no. But do you want to do a little <laughs> jingle to close us oh. out? Something that has to do with WQED or or art or anything. Oh. You know, it could be something. You could just make it up. But you know, close close it a out. Jingle in a jingle for WQED. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> I just hired her, y'all. I just hired her. Um, the art is coming from the heart. WQED, voice of art. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Wow. I'm Camara Dorsey, and you've been listening to WQED's Voice of the Arts. Wow. <laughs>